Do you look at your mountain of goals and feel stuck? Or have you already achieved great things and yet you know there's still more? Then you've come to the right place. We're here to offer practical tools and tangible strategies to change your mindset. And challenge you to produce a life beyond the norm. I'm Nate. I'm Laura. Welcome to the Transcendence Podcast. Welcome back to the Transcendence Project. Last week, we talked about the Enneagram and how it can be used to become more self-aware, how it can be used to increase communication in all the relationships you have, and how it can be used to better lead your team. So starting this week, we want to break down each type individually. And today we're going to focus on type one, the reformer. Laura, tell us a little bit about what it means to be a type one. Yeah, so type ones are going to be named the reformer. You'll see this as the label on most Enneagram platforms. That's what type ones are going to be called is the reformer. So they're going to be uh, classified as the principal type, the purposeful type, self-controlled, and most of all, the perfectionist. Um, that is one of their biggest things that they strive for is perfection. And with it being a perfectionist, you're going to see that come through as a positive trait, but also a negative liability that actually holds them back sometimes. So it's all about the balance of when to be a perfectionist and when not to be a perfectionist. And we'll get into that later this episode. Yep. So first of all, let's talk about their basic fears. One of their basic fears is being corrupt. Another is to be defective or to not have a purpose in life. The other thing that I want to talk about is their basic desire And that is to be good, to have integrity within their life and to find balance within every realm of their world. Ones really want to focus on doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that is honestly their basic desire is for them to do the right thing and for everyone around them to do the right thing. Yep. Where their struggle sometimes is, is justifying what is the right thing. Is it just right in their eyes or is it actually the right thing? Yep. Because it always, it doesn't always align. Um, let's talk about key motivations. So one of the things that motivates a one is the need to be right. They want to be right all the time. And this also um, can affect, you know, they, they want to be right so that nobody can come back on them and criticize them. They want to always make sure that they have every part of their ground covered so that they know, okay, Everything is perfect in my life. No one can come at me and say, oh, you're doing this wrong. wrong. Oh, you're, you know, you're slipping up here. The other thing is, is that they always are aiming high and want to create a better life around them. That's one of the things that I love most about the Enneagram one is because they always look for opportunity to make the world better. Yeah. And it's important to know the key motives of your type, not just your type as you become more self-aware, but especially in a position of leadership, know that what motivates your team, know the types of people that you're leading and know what motivates them. So you can, you can motivate them to ultimately achieve yeah. the goal. Yep. That's good. Now each type is going to have a deadly sin or a deadly passion. What this is, is this is a negative attribute about the type that if you were in a healthy state, you tend to avoid this, but it becomes really prevalent whenever you're in an unhealthy state. And it's going to be their biggest challenge all throughout their life. It's going to be something that they're constantly battling. For ones, that's anger. And where this anger usually comes from, it either comes from a time where they make a mistake or when they're doing everything right and they feel everybody around them isn't doing things right. Mm -hmm. This anger is then going to boil up and it's going to come out as resentment. Mm. So you'll see... An unhealthy, angry one is going to be very resentful to the people around them. 
So before we jump into more about the Enneagram one, I thought it would be fun to read this page from The Road Back to You by Ian Cron, and it's called What It's Like to Be a One. So as you listen to this, maybe you will recognize someone in your life or maybe yourself um, as falling into this category. So number one, I notice immediately when things are wrong or out of place. I tend to worry a lot. I am really disappointed when other people don't do their part. I like routine and I don't readily embrace change. I do my best when working on a project and I wish others would do the same so I wouldn't have to redo their work. I often feel like I try harder than others to do things correctly. So I thought this was really interesting. And maybe if you're a type one, this really resonates with you and you're like, yes, exactly. Someone finally understands me couple key examples of ones of, of famous people in throughout history. Um, Plato, they say he was a one. Gandhi was a one. Margaret Thatcher was a one. Harrison Ford, Celine Dion, all these people have done great things. And it's because they're very practical. They're perfectionists. They strive to live that higher standard. Now, all these people I just named were very healthy ones. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into what that means here shortly. Yeah. So I want to share a little bit about my experience with being raised by a type one. My dad is a type one, the reformer. And growing up, something that my dad, I've always noticed about my dad is he does have that I prefer for perfection. Um, And I think sometimes people can put a negative connotation with the word perfection. But for me and the way that my dad um, helped me and, you know, helped uh, guide me through life was that he helped me to see ways to improve. And it wasn't just this unrealistic, unrealistic expectation of perfection, but it was really about, you know, how can we improve? How can we make this better? You know, he has always been the, the kind of person that I love to go to when I'm working on a project or I'm, you know, trying to make a big life decision because I feel like he is someone who can have the most like, okay, what's the best outcome? What's the most perfect outcome? And what are the ways that we can do that? Um, The other thing that I notice about my dad is how we talked about earlier about routine. My dad is someone who is very routine. He gets up at the same time every morning, goes to bed at the same time every night. He has his morning routine. He has his evening routine and he even has like an after work routine when he comes home he brushes his teeth washes his face um, and gets settled in for the evening um, as soon as he gets home from work so and this is a a cycle that he goes through every day and I feel like ones um, they thrive off of that consistency they thrive off of that routine because it helps them feel in control of what they can control essentially Yeah. I mean, a couple episodes ago, we talked about self-awareness and we talked about creating a feedback rich environment. Type ones are the perfect people to do that with, because I assure you, they'll always have something that you could have improved slightly better. And like we said in the previous podcast, you know, high performers embrace that feedback Mm -hmm. and want to improve. They don't see it as them picking them apart or being critical. They see it as something that can actually help you grow. Right. The other thing, the only thing about most type ones is you're going to have to go ask for that feedback. Mm-hmm, definitely. They're not ones to just project themselves on people yep. without giving the opportunity to do so. Right. And I've definitely learned that with my dad, that he is not someone who's going to give you advice or tell you his thoughts unless you, a- unless you ask for it. Um, now, if you do go and ask for it, he's going to be very 
honest. He's going to be very blunt and let you know exactly what his thoughts are and, you know, what he would do if he were in that situation, which I love. He is someone that I can always guarantee is not going to sugarcoat anything, whether it be, you know, maybe um, I sang for an event. He's going to be the first person that I go to and say, how did I really do? And he's going to be honest. And I love that. And most people would think like, oh, like he's he's your dad. He's supposed to say, oh, great job, honey. But I love. Yes, he's going to tell me good job. But he's going to say, oh, hey, you know, you could work on this. I really thought that this part could be better. And that's one thing that I love about my dad so much. And going over the Enneagram type one, it's really important to decipher the two different types of type one, because you also have not only the type one, the reformer, but they also usually have very strong wings. So Laura, tell us a little bit about the one wing two and the one wing nine. Yeah. So the one wing nine is considered the idealist. The one wing two is considered the advocate. So your one wing two, they're going to be people focused. They're going to be empathetic, helpful, they're worried about justice. They're aware of those around them. They're principled, critical. They tend to be more sensitive, but they're action oriented. And they often tend to be more controlling. As far as type one wing nines, they tend to be more reserved, but they're also laid back. They might be stubborn, but they're positive. They're objective. They're an advocate for others. They often avoid conflict or negativity, um, just as a peacemaker would. Um, and oftentimes they're also more impersonal as well. Yeah, they definitely tend to reserve back to themselves more, just like a peacemaker does, and almost isolate themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. And it's really important, you know, you have your dominant type. It's really important to know that wing that you turn to more because you'll see that you have different type ones in your life. Mm -hmm. And though they're very similar in a lot of ways, they're also very different in a lot of ways. A lot of those things you just wonder were completely contradicting of each other, even though they have those key motives, those same key desires and the same key challenges that they have to overcome. Right. I know for my dad, he's definitely not the social type. He's a homebody. Um, And sometimes you think isolate like, oh, you shouldn't isolate yourself. But for him, he just loves to be home. If he got an invitation to go out with people or the opportunity to just stay home with his family, nine times out of 10, he's going to choose to just stay home with his family because that's what he loves. So if you listen to the last episode, we know that there's three parts to everyone's type. There's their dominant type. In this case, the type one, there's the wing, which we just went over. And then there's the subtypes. These are your instincts. So I'm going to break down the three different subtypes in the type one. So the first one is the social subtype. Like you said, this probably isn't your dad, but a lot of these social subtypes see themselves as teachers. Mm -hmm. They see the opportunity to lead others. They have high standards. They have high self-control and they tend to lead by example. They figure if they do right, other people will catch on and do right as well. They're very systematic and they focus on the big picture of how to do things and how we can all work together as a team. Yeah. Social type ones are very good to put in place in leadership positions or in a position where you're a collaborative group trying to reach an end goal. Right. Now, the intimate type ones, these are where you see more of the reformer and less of the perfectionist. These are the ones that are very zealous and very idealistic. The the intimate type ones will also tend to display their negative trait of anger more so than the other types. Mm. They're a little bit more vocal with it, whereas type ones do tend to repress it, and we'll get to that in a little bit. They will start to slip out. Some of these even actually mistype or confuse themselves with eights a lot of times. 
the one thing about the intimate subtype is that they actually tend to criticize others more than they criticize themselves. And that's where we see them more as a reformer than a perfectionist of themselves. Now, the self-preservation is the complete opposite. The self-preservation, these are the people that are the true perfectionists. These are the ones that are very self-critical. Very few times will they actually call out others unless they're welcomed and invited to. They're very harsh on themselves. And even then, they won't even criticize others. But yes, on themselves, they're their worst critic. Mm -hmm. And they will really, you know, sometimes put themselves down. These avoid expressing anger at all costs. They don't want anybody to know what they're feeling. They'd rather just hold everything in. And these are the ones that you're going to see the resentment build up because they're letting that anger boil up. Now, keep in mind, just like the types, there's no subtype that's greater than the other. They all have their strengths and they all have their weaknesses. So whichever you are, it's about maximizing your strengths and trying to either forego or or avoid your weaknesses at all costs. Yeah, exactly. Now... In the last episode, we also talked about the groupings. The groupings are very important, and we're going to go through a different couple types of groups. We hope you are enjoying this Enneagram series. In a better effort to serve you guys, our listeners, we would love to have you send in any questions that you might have regarding the Enneagram, whether it be about your type, maybe which number is most compatible with yours, or maybe a topic that we haven't quite covered yet. After this 10-week series, we're going to be doing a Q&A episode on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're sending in all your questions through our DMs on Instagram. The first group we're going to talk about is the intelligence centers. The intelligence centers, like we said last episode, there's three different centers. And though we have all three of them, there's one that's going to be really hard for you to to adapt to. And that's going to be the one that your Enneagram type resides in. So for the ones, that is the gut, the body, the the instinct center. That's going to be the anger center as well. It's going to be really hard for you to deal with that emotion. It's going to be really hard for you to know what to do with that emotion. You're going to be very good at thinking things out. You're going to be very good at knowing what your feelings and your emotions and your sadness, you know what to do with that. But oftentimes when you get angry, you don't know what to do. As you grow more, you're going to be able to utilize your gut, your instinct, your body more Mm -hmm. and know how to listen to it. Because once you can master that, then you'll master all three. That's so good. And you can greatly grow. So that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the purpose of the intelligence center. So for the one, like I said, they're part of the body or the instinctive group. They're striving along with eights and nines to have a sense of being or a sense of alive or a sense of connectivity to the world. Now, the major challenges that the ones face versus the eights or nines is that the ones oftentimes, like I said, get resentful. They also get very judgmental where the other types like nines and eights have a couple other negative emotions when they're dealing with this anger. The strengths of the one, though, is that they're very hardworking. Since Mm -hmm. they're so self-critical, they're very dependable that they're going to get stuff done and they're going to work as hard as possible to get that done. Right. The other thing is they're going to be very honest, like we spoke about with your dad. If you ask for his feedback, expect his feedback. Yeah. Don't just expect the fluff. Expect the core feedback, the the meat Mm -hmm. of the subject. Yep. The other thing is they're very self-reliant. You can oftentimes assign ones a project and assume it's going to get done. Yeah. You don't have to check in with them. You just have to, they'll have it done by the deadline or probably a couple days before. Yeah, definitely. That one thing that my dad always says is under promise and over deliver. And I watch him do that all the time. And I feel like that is such a thing for a one to say because they always want to give their best to people and they always want to come in above expectations. Now, the second type of grouping that we're going to talk about is the harmonic group. So this is actually how they deal with conflict and difficulty, especially when they don't get their way. So the ones fall into a group with the threes and the fives. 
These are the competency groups. So their idea is ones repress their feelings instead of putting them to action, they'll follow the system and hope other people follow the system too. Where that can get them in trouble is if other people don't follow the system, then the anger starts to build up Mm -hmm. because they just assume that everybody's supposed to be doing the right thing. They oftentimes lack a lot of patience when people take longer to grow or longer to catch on to things. So as the harmonic groups is how a type deals with conflict. And like I said, they share that group with the threes and the fives. Now we're going to get into the horny Vian group. This is actually how they get what they want when working with others. So they're actually going to share this with twos and sixes. So this is going to be the part, Laura, that you actually resonate a lot with your dad. The twos, the sixes, and the ones all fall into the compliant group. The compliant group are committed and hard workers. They oftentimes cannot relax when there's still a task to be done until the project is completed. You're going to find that the ones actually move towards people by following the rules to achieve some sort of autonomy. This is where people can be self-governed, where the group can ultimately everybody can do their own part. And that's kind of what they expect is everybody to produce their own part and bring forth their strengths. The ones believe that if they follow the rules, other people are going to as well. They get frustrated, though, when that when people f- tend to fall short. So this is where you're going to see that in this group, the twos, the ones, and the sixes can sometimes be workaholics if they're not living in a healthy state. So we've said a lot about healthy, unhealthy. You know, what does it actually mean to be healthy, average, or unhealthy? So healthy ones, you're going to see them become extraordinarily wise. These are going to be the people that you seek advice from because they're very good at discerning and knowing the best action for that moment. You're good. They're going to have strong personal convictions and a, and a really strong sense of right and wrong. They're also going to be principal. They're going to be fair and they're going to be ethical. They want everybody to have the same opportunity, but they want everybody to put forth their best. What you're going to see in, in ones whenever they're really living in a healthy state, what we call their growth number, they're going to start to, show the positive attributes of a seven. So this is where they'll be more spontaneous, more joyful, and they'll actually have more fun and loosen up a bit. We picture the ones as this perfectionist, all uptight person that has to be routine. Everything has to be planned out. But when a one is really healthy, they know when they can let loose and they do, they have Mm -hmm. fun. They are, they're really spontaneous. Talk about your dad, just one, one Friday evening waking up or one Friday morning, waking up and saying, Hey, this weekend, let's go to New York for the weekend. Right. And took your whole family to New York. You know, that's something that a healthy one in growth will do. Cause that's yep. definitely a seven trait to be that spontaneous. Right. And keep in mind when we're talking about healthy average or unhealthy, it's not that you're one or the other. This is going to be the part that fluctuates. Your type's not going to change. Your wing's most likely not going to change. And your subtype's most likely never going to change. But your healthy state will change on a day-to-day basis. It's about the choices we make to choose to be in a healthy state or in an average or an unhealthy state. Now, an average type one, you're going to see that they feel the need to improve things around them. They're going to go ahead and mention, they're going to be the ones that start to mention, hey, this could be better, this could be better. They're going to be highly critical of themselves as well. These are going to be the negative sense of perfectionism where you actually get paralyzed by perfection. You can't move on to the end of a task because it's not perfect and where you get highly frustrated that the people around you can't become perfect. I also feel like sometimes type ones in this average state can tend to micromanage to a degree. Um, I was reading something and I can't remember where I read it from, but it was just a little funny meme that talked about type ones and how a lot of the time, you know, they'll say, oh, hey, can you go and do this? 
And so the person goes and starts to do whatever tasks they wanted them to do. And then they're like, never mind, I'll just do it myself. Um, so whether that be, you know, micromanaging or a lot of times ones will just think that they can do it better than anyone else can. So instead of having to go back and do the work again, you know, because someone didn't do it correctly, they just go ahead and do it for the person. And that extreme micromanaging actually comes really apparent with the unhealthy ones. They're going to, they're going to delegate, but then they're going to hover over you the whole time and pick out every little flaw because you're not doing it their way. Yeah. These are the ones that think their truth is the absolute truth. These are the ones that can't decipher right from wrong. And these are the people that can't see other perspectives to actually learn and grow. Right. These are going to be the most unhealthy, most contracted form of a type one. And oftentimes you're going to see that their perfectionism almost becomes an like an overly obsessive Mm. thing where they, they become obsessive over the, and they fester on these little details that in the grand scheme of things oftentimes don't even matter. Right. And a a lot of times their idea of perfection is so unrealistic and something that I try to remind myself a lot, because sometimes obviously being raised by a type one, I have a lot of views that are similar to my dad. And a lot of times I'll say a phrase or, you know, say something and they'll say, okay, little Alan, um, But something that I've had to remind myself is instead of trying to pursue perfection or seek after perfection is to seek for excellence, pursue excellence, because when you pursue excellence, it's going to be close to perfect. And the reality is, is you can't be perfect. There's no we live in such an imperfect world. There's no way to achieve perfection. Yeah. And the other things you're going to see with a type with an unhealthy type one is that they don't really know how to portray their, their critiques. They don't know how to do it in a coaching mindset. They're going to come off very condemning Mm -hmm. and they're going to really put others down a lot. Now we also, just like we have a growth number, we all have a stress number. This is where you tend to go in a state of stress and you start to show the negative attributes of that type. And for the type one, that's the type four. They become highly critical. They walk Mm. into a place and just the only thing they can talk about is every way they would improve it. Nothing positive. It's all negative. So that's what you'll start to see the negative type four come out in the type one. Now, if a lot of this resonated you with you or whether you were in the healthy state, the average state or the unhealthy, we're going to go over some personal growth tips on how you can choose to live more of a healthy life and how you can try to raise up that level of healthiness. And if you are in a healthy state right now, how you can stay in that healthy state mm-hmm. and what you can keep doing. Yep. So the first one, learn to relax. You know, this is, this comes from all the negative attributes of workaholic or, you know, the project isn't going to get done without me. You know, the salvation of the world isn't all on you. And I think it's important for you to realize that the world's not going to be chaos if you slip up on one thing or if yeah. you tend to have a little bit of fun That's and take good. a break yep. from your work, work, work. Right. It's healthy and it's and it's good to take a break and it's good to celebrate when you've done, you know, when you've had a, a great achievement. Yeah. And the other thing is going to become a teacher. A lot of ones make the best teachers mm-hmm. where they fall short is they don't have the patience to teach. Right. So when I say become a teacher, (laughs) make sure you're in a state where you can accept the fact that you're teaching other types and where you can accept the fact that they're not going to grasp a hold of the content maybe as fast as you did. Mm -hmm. And that it might be a work in progress. I actually encourage type ones out out of anybody. I encourage all types to do this, but especially type ones, learn the Enneagram. Learn all the different types, especially if you're in a form of leadership in your in your work or even for your family. So you know how to better coach your kids. You know how to better coach your team because you are 
you are someone that has very high standards and you, you live out what it means to be great. Yep. So people look up to you. They see that credibility, but if you get frustrated with them right in that first time period, then they're going to lose that credibility. They're going to lose the respect. So become a teacher, but make sure you're a patient teacher. Yeah, that's good. The next thing is learn from your mistakes instead of holding yourself down because of them. Keep in mind you're human. Yep. You're human just like all of us. As much as the type one doesn't want to be a human mm-hmm. because they have human flaws, we're going to make mistakes. It's about how we react to those mistakes. Oftentimes an, an, an unhealthy type one, like I said, will fester and become overly obsessive with that mistake and not be able to move past it. And that's where they become stuck. Ultimately, a healthy type one can point out the mistakes and know that next time I'm in this decision, I'm going to make this decision. Next time I'm in this situation, I'm going to choose this. Next time this comes up, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Then when that happens, because they live a high standard of life, chances are they're going to, they're going to remember that mistake and, right. and live by that. Right. The next one is get in touch with your feelings. A lot of type ones, like, like I said, like to look buttoned up. They want to be very professional with everyone. They don't want to let anybody in really. So either start journaling or get with that group of friends that you can let loose around for a lot of people. It could be your family, right? but have fun, you know, let loose around some people, be a little quirky sometimes. Mm -hmm. Another one is keep in mind what your Achilles heel is. That anger is going to come about in your life. And what do you do with that anger when it comes about? Don't follow the need to repress the anger and to let it bottle up. Find ways. Keep in mind, an anger is a want for change. Mm -hmm. Find what needs to be changed. If you can change it, change it. Yeah. If you can't change it, you Ex- can't let it bother you. Yeah, you have to accept learn, that you can't change it. You have to learn acceptance in the world that surrounds you. And like Laura said, pursue excellence rather than perfection. Yeah. Because pursuing excellence is going to make the best out of a situation. Right. Whereas perfection, you're always going to fall short because mm-hmm. none of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. The other one is learn to lean into your seven. Like I said, when you're in growth, you're going to have the positive attributes of a seven. Wake up one morning, decide to do something different. Wake up one week and decide to go on a trip. Do that spont- that spontaneous acts that are ultimately going to create more joy and more fun for the people around you. Actually surround yourself with sevens, mm-hmm. which is really funny because your brother is a seven and, and we've watched it time He's and time crazy. again. <laughs> sevens will oftentimes <laughs> test your patience if you're yeah. one, but that's what you want. You want to be more patient. You want to learn to adapt their creativity and their way to jump around. And like we talked about a couple episodes ago about the relationships being twofold Mm -hmm. as they help you become more spontaneous and how they help you have more fun. You're going to help them get more organized because we all know if you, if you know the Enneagram and you know the type seven, which we'll learn in later episodes, sevens are just happy go lucky. Just life is a walk in the park. But it's kind of a mess at the same time. It's Uh, not usually very organized. And ones are going to help them with that. Um, So it's all about how can we work together. And ones and sevens can definitely teach each other a lot. And the sevens can learn a lot from the ones. But you have to be open to that perspective. You have to be open to the humanistic part of the world. Right. And talking about my, my brother and my dad, I have watched my brother and my dad when my brother is, you know, messy and not organized, whether whether it be in school or with his belongings or, you know, just keeping things in order. And my dad will be like, come on, dude, like get your stuff together. But then there's also these moments where my brother just brings out this hilarious side of my dad. 
and the way the two of them laugh together and they bond together, I've noticed that my dad really feeds off of a seven. So ones, keep in mind, you are the wise counsel. You are the ones that can determine right and wrong. You are the impactful leaders of this world. But don't fall short and don't get stuck and paralyzed by perfection that you end up being the condemning one instead of the coaching one. You have the power to be one of the best teachers on the Enneagram, but you have to let in the other perspective. Your truth is not always the truth. And the moment that you can actually step back and accept another perspective that's not your own, that's when we can grow. Perspective is what leads to growth, what leads to learning, what leads to becoming better. Anytime we get defensive about our truth is the moment we stop learning in that situation. We can't learn and be defensive at the same time. And for you to step back when someone confronts you or doesn't have the same truth or doesn't have the same right and wrong as you, for you to step back and really accept that perspective and grow with that perspective allows you to become a better teacher, allows you to become wiser and allows you to live in that healthy state. So we hope you have enjoyed us diving into the type one, the reformer of the Enneagram. Next week, we're going to be diving into type two, the helper. And I'm super excited about this type because I have a lot of twos in my life and they are some of my favorite people in the world. And I can't wait to dive into what it means to be a two, what it's like to be a two and what the qualities of a two are. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode. We hope that you've learned something new, that you feel challenged and are inspired to live a life beyond the norm. If something in this episode stuck out to you, be sure to screenshot the podcast, post it on Instagram and tag us in it. Let us know what captivated you. And speaking of Instagram, we would love to connect with you and let you be the first to know about our new episodes and exciting updates. If you found value in this podcast, be sure to leave us a rating or review. This will allow us to expand our reach and let others know that they can benefit from this podcast as well. We appreciate you spending your time with us and we can't wait to be with you again soon. Join us next time as we continue to live a life beyond the norm.